And welcome to the Untold, Untold Hour. Hour. I made sure and put extra vocal fry <laughs> on the back end of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess kind of happy Valentine's Day. I mean, we're a little early. A little early, but like four um, days early. But when's yeah. the actual day? The fourteenth or fifteenth? The fourteenth on Sunday. Okay. Okay. So this is still our Valentine's episode. Yes, this will be our Valentine's Day episode. Uh, if you, it's, it works that you tried to guess the fifteenth because that actually ties in to part of the main story oh, today. Oh, so okay. nice um, accidental. Is that a Cadbury bar you're eating? <laughs> no, it's just some other random dark chocolate. Oh, bar. it looks like you just tried to find Willy Wonka's golden ticket. I know it really does. It's exactly like that packaging. Um, oh my gosh, no. my camera's going haywire, and it's frustrating me, even though I'm nobody sorry. else knows that it's happening. Yeah, it's just me. Well, anyway, yeah. uh, yes, so you guessing the 15th actually ties into part of the main story that I uh, dug up and started looking into today, which is um, kind of the the origin story of where our modern-day Valentine's Day comes from. So I'm interested in this because... I know there's kind of pagan beginnings to a lot of holidays, but is there actually a dark side to Valentine's Day? I mean, I don't consider it a dark side. I definitely, I legit searched the dark side of Valentine's Day in my Google search when mm-hmm. I was thinking about this. Um, I knew that it had a pagan holiday uh, aspect to it. I don't consider that necessarily dark because it sounds like it was an awesome freaking festival. Uh, okay. And of course, the, of course, Christianity had to ruin it for everybody. Um, and uh, and but uh, but it's it, it's the articles that you do see try to kind of twist it as if it was dark, but really it's not. Like there was nothing. There was nothing all that terribly bad. It was just a different gotcha. way of doing things, and and now we do it this way, and now yeah. it's. Back in the day, it was to celebrate fertility and the beginning of spring. And now it is to celebrate, um, you know, uh, buying Hallmark cards. Yeah. (laughs) Where do you stand on that? Where do you stand on the whole like, oh, Valentine's Day was made to just sell Hallmark cards. Because I'm like, kind of, but not really, especially after reading this information. And shit, man, if there's a day that reminds you to say I love you to your loved one, it's not that bad. Totally. And my thing is, like, there is a point uh, where having a problem with certain things actually makes you sound more basic than just kind of being okay with the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, case in point, case in point, the Super Bowl was this past weekend, right? Yeah. So you got a lot of people that are uploading, like, especially kind of in our scene of, like, the nerd space and gaming and pop culture a lot of people I saw tweeting, happy uh, sports ball day, I guess. And it's like, it's so basic. You think it's basic to just be into a football game and watch it. I think it's basic to think you've got to put yourself on the outside of that. 
Like, come on. Yeah. Some people like sports. Some people like Star Wars and sports. Some people like weird anime and football. So with Valentine's Day, I think it's the same. If you're like, oh, it's just, oh, it's just corporate. Oh, my God. It's selling those Hallmark cards and chocolate. So what? Yeah. It's fucking Valentine's Day. You're providing just, people with jobs. Yeah. <laughs> like what? You want buy all those Hallmark people buy that chocolate. do not have work? Like, come on. Yeah. Do you and know how it hard it must be for them to come up with unique sayings to put on new Valentine's Day cards every year? Every since, year. Well, I'll tell you since when, but we'll uh, we'll get into Ooh. that during the main topic because okay. I do dip into when Hallmark got in the game. Um, so uh. yeah, let's just uh, let's let's get this going. So um, I checked a few sources. I've checked BBC. I've checked uh, NPR. Um, and then I kind of, uh, and they gave me kind of the main crux of everything. And then I went into some wiki for some details and things of that nature. So this that I'm going to talk about is a little bit of a amalgamation of all of those things. So scholars specifically that study this kind of stuff can't seem to be able to pinpoint exactly when Valentine's day, as we've come to know, it really started to become a thing. Um, most people, uh, uh, think that it basically started with the Romans and they're the ones that kickstarted it all. Um, B- the BBC says that they believe it was the year 496. So, you know, wow. they feel like they've got their eye on the prize, <laughs> but nobody else seems to know specifically when Yeah, for the BBC, 496. Um, but most folks point to the Romans kickstarting the entire venture with their observance of and I might pronounce this wrong because I don't speak ancient Roman. Uh, <laughs> Lupercalia? Lupercalia? Okay. I do, however, I've played a lot of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I feel like that could lend me into making educated guesses on some of these pronunciations. Totally. I think <laughs> so. it gives you, it has to give you like a half a point of accreditation in that area. Yeah, yeah I definitely went up one skill point in, um, in this. Uh-huh. So uh, here's some facts about Lupercalia or Lupercalia or Lupercalia. Who knows? Uh, celebrated by the Romans from February 13th through the 15th. So there's your 15th. It would have fallen gotcha. within their festival days. Um, in a celebration to signal the start of spring, men would sacrifice goats and dogs and then uh, whip, let's assume playfully, whip the women. Why are you saying lives. assume playfully? Well, because, like, some of the articles made it sound like it was, like, and then they went and chased after the women and beat them with these, like, entrails. And then other places were, like, yeah, no, all the ladies lined up because they were hoping to, uh, to, you know, gain the blessing of of the god or goddesses so that they could be fertile for whatever, I guess, procreation. I guess that's why you would want that. Um. Anyway, so yes, so that's what I'm saying. Like, you see some of these articles that try to lean into the dark side, and they're like, yeah, and then they beat women, and you're like, no, not really, though. That's mm-hmm. kind of like, I mean, I'm sure some of them probably did, but I'm assuming at this festival, most people were uh, down to play ball. The vibe was like, what's that game where you're going around the pole with the ribbon? May- uh, the Maypole? Maypole, yeah. The vibe was kind of like that, like... Everybody's just playing and having a good time. Yeah, it sounds like it was a ginormous party. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so men would sacrifice goats and dogs, um, 
and then whip the women with the entrails of the sacrificed animals that they had just gutted. Uh, the women would often line up voluntarily to be quote unquote whipped in the hopes of it making them fertile. So that's why I said so like a some of the less sensational articles that are actually based in a little bit of, um, you know, actual history and education are like, no, yeah. this is th this was their fertility spring, right? You know, totally. Was there one or two assholes amongst all the dudes in the crowd? Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. Plus, everybody was getting super drunk and hammered, so I'm sure things went a little bit overboard on occasion. But yeah. you know. In general, that's how it was. Uh, across the board, like I said, in general, folks were drunk and naked and having a grand old time. Uh, there was also a matchmaking lottery where men could draw women's names from a jar and then the pair would be coupled off. Again, I'm doing air quotes. Coupled off together for the duration of the celebrations. And that coupling off could mean all the things you think it means. Uh -huh, like they uh -huh. would, they were not only hanging out and being buds, but then they probably banged right yeah 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 uh, and then who knows the whole point of matchmaking is to eventually you know to to i guess uh have a long-term relationship of some sort so that right. was kind of the jam um you know it was like the ancient roman version of swiping left or swiping right yeah except you're gonna either hit her from left to right with entrails or right to left with entrails mm -hmm. but only if she gives you permission Yes. All right. So here is another little factoid. Uh, in addition to Lupercalia kickstarting Valentine's Day in like as we know it with some um, base rules, Emperor Claudius II may have also inadvertently contributed to the naming of our modern day holiday when he had two men, both named Valentine, executed on February 14th. Whoa. Although each one of them were killed on a different year. So it wasn't two dudes named Valentine killed on the same day of the same year. It was the same day of two different years. Uh, in 3rd century AD, these executions eventually led to the Catholic Church to honor them as martyrs, thus leading to Valentine's Day. And it's also said that Valentine's Day was started as a rebellious act against Claudius in protest over the fact that he did not want Roman men to marry during wartime. St. Valentine went against his wishes and performed secret weddings, thus leading to his execution. I don't know if I totally believe that. There's a couple other ones when I get into um, additional facts at the, like who was St. Valentine that I've added into this list here yeah. that we can get into. Um, nobody knows for sure, basically. There were a ton of people, not a ton, but there was a fair amount of people uh, uh, executed by the name of Valentine around those times. So gotcha. um, they have a rough idea of who it may be, but as to why he was executed, Nobody knows for sure. So I think this last one about how St. Valentine was performing these secret weddings. I mean, it sounds super cool, but I, I'm not sure. To me, that seems a little too on the nose for making yeah. it a, a day about love and lovers kind of thing. It totally. seems like it's just basically a spring slash pagan fertility rite of passage every year. Yeah. Like, you know, and yeah. uh, and and that's really what it is. Yeah. Um, so as the Catholic Church grew stronger and tried to stamp out pagan paganism, Pope uh, Galatius I, I think that's how you pronounce it, Galatius, created the ultimate collab by fusing Lupercalia and the martyrdom of the St. Valentine, I guess, uh, plural potentially, um, together. So that, you know, like a lot of times 
when they were trying to convert pagans, they being Christians, they would come in and build their churches over the already sacred pagan sites that these places, you know, would worship in, that these pagans would worship in. They would often merge their gods and goddesses with aspects of uh, stories that they would then tell in the Bible and things of that nature. So they kind of like, you know started to weave this tapestry together of all these different people. And, I, you know, we, it's not the first time that's happened. The Romans did it to the Greeks. Uh, you know, any, any, any two cultures that kind of start interacting with each other a fair amount, I think that just naturally starts to, like, do a little bit of crossover. Yeah. It's just that for this particular story, the Christians, specifically when they were trying to convert people, would go in and, like, do that in order to get... The pagans to be like, well, okay, if it, if you know, if worshiping Mary is the same as worshiping, you know, um, uh, uh, Freya. Since yeah, we're insert about, God here. Insert God here that has similar qualities. Uh, then yeah, sure. What does it matter if it? And and plus, then I won't be murdered by them. So yes, right. I will like I won't be murdered for not converting. Mm. So yeah, it's fine. I'll I'll go with that. So well, that's kind of like when we talked to. Oh my gosh. Our 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 um our witch doctor, when he talked yeah. about um what what why am I blanking Mystic on the name? Mystic Dylan? Of... No no Is no. Um, our, our our. Oh, you mean from the show? Yeah, our proper witch doctor when he talked about his religion and how it w- was similar. He was like, no, uh, he wasn't a witch doctor. He was a Santerian priest. Santeria, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah yeah. Uh, what right, was his right. name? Charles Charles. Right. So yeah. he, he was talking about how Santeria was like. Yeah, I guess we're into Mary because it was either like get with this or die. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Yup. And so, uh, yes. Uh, and so that's what they would do. They, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody, but some of them went along with it. And uh, and so Pope Galatius the first created this collab by fusing Lupercalia and the martyrdom of the St. Valentine's together. Uh, with the new approach to the holiday, Christians made everybody keep their clothes on and be a lot less drunk, you know, which kind of put a damper uh-huh. on things. But despite these new precautions, they still couldn't get the idea of love or fertility or what have you. Um, and some of the other old school pagan components completely scrubbed from the event. So today we no longer celebrate... I don't want to say... we. I'm sure some people celebrate the martyrdom of St. Valentine, but when you think of St. Valentine's Day, he's yeah. not the first and foremost thing that pops into your mind. You think chocolates, you think candy, you think hearts, you think love, yeah. you know, and it's all about pairing up. So, you And know, I also feel um, like there's like no, unless I'm just dumb, which I am, but I don't feel like there's any cultural like residue from this in our modern celebration of Valentine's Day. Whereas I do feel like, even with like Halloween and Christmas, there's more discussion around the origins and we're kind of peripherally aware. But with Valentine's Day, if you asked me to guess where it came from, I would have been like, but I, I, for all I knew, it started in the 80s. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I have no awareness around its roots. Well, you're wrong. It didn't, it was definitely further yeah. back than the 80s. It didn't start um, in 1988. But there's a lot of things that they that would I mean there's a lot of things like okay I kind of if I want to explain this I would be skipping ahead let's remember that you said that because I do want to reference that because we still do have 
kind of like images and things of the original OG Lupercalia that has managed to manifest itself in unique ways into the way that we celebrate Valentine's Day today. I'm thinking and Cupid. It, Is that where you Cupid? might be thinking? Right? Yeah. 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 I was going to say it does not have to do with St. Valentine. Yeah. It has to do with the Romans. So um, actually, that's kind of where I'm about to head next. I should have just read ahead so that I could have used that as a wonderful transition. <laughs> but I, I, I botched that. Um, and so let's just move on. So yes, despite the new precautions that Galatius put in place, uh, they couldn't completely wipe all the pagan components from the celebrations. And like I said, you know, for the most part, when you think Valentine's Day, you don't think St. Valentine, you think chocolates, hearts, Cupid, all that jazz. Yeah. Um, think about love. In addition, the Roman god Cupid, which also translates into, like Cupid actually translates into passionate desire, is often portrayed on many Valentine's Day cards as a cute, bewinged babe that shoots invisible arrows at people to cause them to fall in love. He's known, or I'm sorry, I've heard invisible arrows. There's other arrows. I'm going to tell you all yeah. about that in our like little, uh, uh, our little like rundown of um, unique uh, hot takes. I is guess, there like a breakout Cupid section? There's a breakout Cupid section. Yeah. Um, so he's often portrayed on Valentine's Day cards as a cute little baby that shoots arrows at people to call them, cause them to fall in love. He's known as Eros. I think that's how you... Eros? Eros, I think. Eros? like Eros, like God of love type of flow. Yeah. Like, yep. He's known Eros, as Eros like erotica. Oh, yeah. Duh. Yes. That duh was directed at me. Uh, as... <laughs> yeah. In Greek, and he is the son of the goddess Venus, uh, which is her name in Roman, and then Aphrodite, which is her name in Greek, and the god of mm -hmm. war, which was Mars in Roman and Ares in uh, Greek. So side note on Cupid, he's not just a cute little baby. He's actually kind of a spicy boy. He's got, he's got some uh, questionable behavior himself. <laughs> like a what? Well, he carries, so these are the arrows we were talking about earlier. He carries two types of arrows, uh, one golden tip and sharp, which when hit causes the victim to fall in love and it even affects other gods and goddesses. Yeah. Uh, and then one that is blunt and tipped with lead or with silver, although I've more often seen lead, which causes its victim to fall out of love or hate the other person. And so Cupid and Venus always got a good kick out of hitting one person with a golden arrow and another person with a lead arrow and then having them meet so that they one would fall in love and the other would just not want anything to do so with they're, them. So they're more would, like and then little they would mischief makers, it. yeah. Oh my God, they're, they're, the gods are cruel, man. They're little the tricksters. Greek and Roman gods are not... Uh, uh, I, not a nice group. <laughs> God, I hesitate to throw this out there because it also may already exist. But can you imagine like a leprechaun-style horror movie with Cupid as the the main little baddie? That could be pretty fucking cool, dude. Honestly, if you were to take any of these Greek and Roman myths and like really like gave them the HBO like hardcore right, big right. budget treatment, there's some sick shit. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Yeah. It would be, I would never stop watching. Well, they literally um, just announced this week that Dan Harmon is doing an animated show for Fox that's like gods and monsters and in a, as a dysfunctional family. So I wouldn't be surprised if they dived into some of that. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it's just, it's just rife with amazing stories. 
Um, so this is has nothing to do with him being a spicy boy. The spicy boy comment was uh, specifically in regards to how they used to watch, you know, people fall in love and fall out of love yeah. with each other and get a huge kick out of oh the devastation gosh. that would unfold. Um, the side note that I was just about to give was that some stories portray him as being blind, possibly the reason behind oh, the right. adage love is blind, uh, which was originally used by Chaucer in his work, The Merchant's Tale, Chaucer, who is better known as the writer behind Canterbury Tales, and I suppose yeah. Merchant's Tale, if you like Canterbury, you'd probably be reading Merchant's Tale as well. Uh, and then it also began to get pick up speed as a common saying when Shakespeare actually began adopting it and infusing it within his own work. Mm. Um, and just quick little random Cupid side note, since we're on the subject, he fell in love and married a woman named Psyche, which means soul, mind, and spirit. And then they yeah. have a daughter named Voluptus, which means pleasure. Voluptus. Oh my gosh. Saucy. So there is a it. horror. There is uh so th th this isn't what I'm talking about, but there is a horror movie. Literally, I think it like just came out. And oh. it's called Cupid. But uh, just quickly, the logline is, after being horrendously embarrassed by the mean girls at school, Faye, a practicing witch, summons an evil Cupid to take revenge on all those who wronged her. Yeah, that sounds... Uh, no, I'm tapping out. Thanks. Yeah, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little sweaty. That that's concept's a little, a little sweaty. That's a little all over the place. Um, I will say that there is a theory that the modern-day Beauty and the Beast story is actually based off of the Cupid and Psyche story. Oh. Huh. So, just throwing that out there. I did come across yeah. that as being a, a p possibility. I'll fuck so with then, that. That's the Greeks and the Romans, and where they're kind of involved. Let's move on to the Normans. All right, so at the same time that the Romans and the Greeks were celebrating uh, Lupercalia... And then having the Christians come in and put the kibosh on it, kinda, and like tell everybody to put their clothes back on and stop having a good time. Uh, the Normans were celebrating something very similar that may have also added to the crossover, like a little bit more, you know, a little bit more uh, ingredients in the bucket of Valentine's mm -hmm. Day. Yeah. So the Normans were actually Norsemen and or Vikings who eventually settled in northern France from Scandinavia, and they celebrated... Something called either Galentine's Day or Ga Galatin's Day. It's Galatin's Day, yeah. G-A-L-A-T-I-N-S, Day. Um, it actually means lover of women. And although it's not necessarily foundational to the modern-day Valentine's Day holiday as we know it currently, many believe that the two were kind of merged together a little bit with the other stuff that was coming in from Lupercalia and being adopted and, and kind of advancing uh, because I don't want to say advancing, not advancing, but like, uh, uh, morphing yeah. is a better phrase. Yeah. Morphing into what we know it as today. Um, just because of the general take on the content, the fact that they were celebrating women and thus celebrating fertility and love. And the fact that it's actually, when you just look at the way it's spelled, it kind of reminds you and sounds a little bit like yeah. Valentine's day. So it's just, you know, it's just a little bit of extra sauce in the mix. Yeah. So then take that and fast forward to Shakespearean time. We kind of mentioned it already at the top with Chaucer and Shakespeare uh, using the whole phrase, love is blind. So during the Middle Ages, exchanging cards of sweet sentiment were very in vogue. So that is actually kind of where we started getting our Valentine's Day cards. Yeah. Was the Middle Ages. 
In addition, Chaucer, better known for Canterbury Tales and The Merchant's Tale, like I mentioned above, and Shakespeare both wrote about and popularized the holiday in their writings. Chaucer's, the first time he mentioned it, was called, his, his book was called Parliament of Fowls, and the first time that Shakespeare described it, as far as I'm aware in his work, was A Midsummer's Night's Dream. Uh. Um, for some scholars, Chaucer is believed to be the real reason why we began to associate and intermingle celebrating the martyrdom of St. Valentine's with the idea of courtly love. So that's where St. Valentine's now, so it got kind of, so it gets a little all over the place. So we've got Lupercalia and that is your, that's traveling along as your fertility springtime party down, right? Yeah. And then the Christians come in and use an event that happened during that time as a way to celebrate the martyrdom of one of their saints. Right. At the same time that that's going on, the Normans are coming in with their celebration that honors women and their fertility. And then in the Middle Ages, Chaucer and Shakespeare take all of those ideas um, and what's going on you know, within the city and within the population anyway with the exchanging of love notes and all yeah. of these little doodads. And uh, and start writing about it, thereby making the idea of it as a holiday more accessible, potentially to people. Specifically, you know, I would say probably what upper 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 class because right. um, I think what you had to be you had to be loaded to be able to buy books then because they hadn't invented the printing press yet, and so everything was done by hands, usually in monasteries. But um, side note. Uh, so yeah, so that's where kind of we're at now is that they're starting to slightly popularize it both in plays and in, uh, books and their writings. Mm -hmm. So even if people could not afford to buy books or even knew how to read, they were at least being able to go to these plays or hearing about these plays or hearing about people recounting these plays that they saw as stories with their friends. And so this idea of like this modern day, like, courtly love saint valentine's day that we celebrate in regards to martyrdom is also a way to celebrate your loved ones so this is kind of like all happening at that point in the middle ages when it kind of does this turnover so for people that don't know what courtly love is here is courtly love courtly love oh my god if it was courtly love that would be amazing (laughs) so courtly love is a highly conventionalized Medieval tradition of love between a knight and a married noblewoman, first developed by the troubadours of southern France and extensively employed in European literature of the time, the love of the knight for his lady was regarded as an ennobling passion, and the relationship was typically unconsummated. So, like, the world's biggest... What are you going to say? I'll let you say it. The world's biggest blue balls situation <laughs> of all time. Right. But um, but it you know it is interesting that I th- I feel like aside from troubadours and storytelling and and like the the first idea of a essentially a romance novel that the idea of courtly love makes sense in a way because a lot of people didn't get married for love. I mean, like especially not in the nobility, which yeah. is where the whole idea of courtly love kind of revolves around. The nobility marriage was considered um, not only a necessity to just be able to survive, but also a way of like merging houses, 
being able to make deals with other powerful families, things of that nature. So you might be in love with, you know, this knight over here to the left, like truly in love with him, but you're going to be marrying that old dude over there to the right from that family because his dad went to your dad and said, I'll give you so much money for uh, your daughter. Yeah. And uh, and then this is going to be the heir that they will produce and and blah, 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 Mm blah. Yada, yada. So anyway. So uh, what a better way to let off steam than a little bit of courtly love. Uh-huh. And what a better way to let off steam than listening to some Courtney love. You know, I've got a Courtney love story. I know you do. You do? You tell it? Yeah. yeah I, I, I'll tell it quickly. the Onyx one? Yeah. She, at some point, tweeted one of my Onyx videos uh, and, you know, captioned it like, oh, my gosh, this guy is so crazy or something. And and to be honest, I don't think she's like the type to have somebody else running her social media because if she had somebody else running her social media, it would be a little less intense. But her social media presence is pretty matches the personality, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a few weeks after that, I happened to be behind her in line at a cafe, and it was like just us, and nobody else was really looking or noticing her. And I'd never do this. But I just thought, you know, for the sake of the anecdote, and she just shared the video, I'll just say, oh, I just wanted to introduce myself. You shared one of my videos last week. And I did. And she was like, what? And she, like, lowered her sunglasses at me. And I was like, oh, I'm this, I'm a comedian, and I, you shared a video of mine, weird Satanist guy. I just thought it was funny that I happened to run into you. Uh, it's a character I play. And, and she was like, what the fuck? And I was like, <laughs> Never mind, never mind. And then she just put her sunglasses back on and ordered her coffee. That was it. That was the Courtney Love story. Yeah. Well, you see, you had a broken heart. I know. Due to Courtney Love. That was a little bit of courtly love with Courtney Love. (laughs) Definitely unconsummated. Yeah, yeah. So as folks started immigrating over to America, they also brought with them the idea of Valentine's Day as a holiday for lovers. However, it wasn't really truly celebrated like the way it is now where everybody kind of knows that February 14th, well, except for you, because you thought it was the 15th. But, you know, you're just rolling to the OG times of Amelia. Yeah, you're actually above and beyond everybody else. Yeah. But, uh, you know, everybody knows Valentine's Day now. For the most part, we celebrate it in schools, things of that nature. Uh So it wasn't celebrated really in that way until the mid-1800s with the invention of mass-produced Valentine's Day cards with the Hallmark cards of Kansas City Company, Missouri, getting in on the game big time in 1913. Oh, I was about to say, I was like, was Hallmark around in the mid-1800s? No, so... so the printing just began in the mid 1800s. Right. Hallmark really put their uh, their foot down about it and got hard involved. Um, 1913. In, uh, 1913. So there you go. So yes, I guess in some ways it is a Hallmark holiday, but yeah. no, it's not. It's actually totally. a pagan holiday from uh, ancient Roman times when they used to beat each other with. Entrails of the sacrificed goats and dogs that Wild. they made. Yeah. I wonder and if then anybody. Somehow, some dude got executed 
yeah. <laughs> during one of these festivities. Right. And uh, then, you know, the incoming religion that was going to take over martyred him. And, yeah. uh, and then somehow he kind of lost that battle. I mean, he lost the battle numerous times, it sounds yeah. like. But he lost that battle, and it kind of flipped back into the true meaning of the pagan holiday. Right. Which is kind of what we celebrate now, just under the guise of hearts and candy. I wonder if you can get cards, Valentine's Day cards, that honor the original holiday. Like, can you get a, a Valentine's Day card that says, I, you know, I want to slap you with my goat intestine. Well, I love you that all, much. There's the first thing we're going to sell in our Etsy store. Yeah, those cards, right? totally. Secondly, why don't you look that up? Because I, while you're looking that up, I have other random Valentine's Day facts that I'm just going to throw out here. Okay. Uh, exes. Do you know what? Have you ever seen if somebody was writing you a letter and they wanted to give you kisses? Did they ever do X's and O's? Oh, for sure. Okay, so you knew what that was. Blair had never seen that before. He's like, what, what are, are you talking X-? about? He goes, what are these X's that you're making on the card? And I'm like, what? And he's like, what are these X's? I'm like, you mean the kisses? <laughs> She's oh, like, no yeah. Idea. Well, like, it's he also, obviously knows now, but. it's Yeah, I mean, it's just a, a term, too. I mean, there's like songs called X's and O's. and Oh, yeah, there X-O, is. XO, XO. Yeah. I mean, that's just, yeah, that means. I had always heard that the O's were hugs and the X's yes. were kisses or the other way around? No, X's are kisses and O's are hugs. Yeah. Anyway. So I'm good. A, I'm glad you know this. Heck yeah. Uh, so the idea behind X's meaning kisses supposedly is thought to have gained popularity in the Middle Ages when people weren't as literate and couldn't spell. So unable to sign their names to the notes and the love letters that they were sending out, they would mark it with an X to show their sincerity. Wow. I love a good X and O signature. My dad still does that, I think. I, I think it's I'll, cute. I put it on anybody that I love or has an important role in my life. I always put XO. Yeah. Every every time. Like, I have to. It's like a habit. I remember learning about it. I learned it because my grandmother sent me a birthday card, and I was like, what does this mean? And then they told me, and I was like, oh, that's so <laughs> special. Yeah, totally. All right, so here's another fact. The Middle Ages version of the Lupercalia matchmaking urn went as thus. So they actually kind of kept the concept of the matchmaking urn. Women and the men would put their names into a vase or a bowl and then would draw names to see who would be their valentine. Once the names were drawn up, the pair would pin each other's name onto their sleeves for a week so that everybody in the town could see who they were paired up with. And it's believed that that is the, the seed that started the phrase to wear your heart on your sleeve. Oh, uh, interesting. Came from that tradition. That's definitely something I've never known the origin of. Me neither. And I've heard other different variations, but I think this one is maybe the one I'm going to go with because I think it's really sweet. Yeah. So buying roses on Valentine's Day for the one that you love has its roots, pun intended, uh, all the way back to the ancient Rome and Lupercalia festivities. Red roses were actually the favorite flower of the goddess of love, Venus, uh, also Aphrodite in Greek. Um, And so when you go and you buy red roses for your loved one on Valentine's Day, you're actually honoring... A Grecian Roman goddess of love. I didn't know that either. Uh, Last random Valentine's Day facts, and then we're going to move into some St. Valentine's facts so that we at least know who we were talking about and why the martyrdom was important and yada, yada, yada. 
So last for the V-Day facts, uh, Henry VIII, the king who loved killing off his wives and falling in love again, uh-huh. uh, decided when the public was going to actually be celebrating Valentine's Day, which obviously is February 14th. And he did this by issuing a royal charter declaring it to the people and his government in 1537. So he actually, like, listen, they were celebrating it before his reign anyway, mm-hmm. but he officially made it official, official yeah. for his people on uh, uh, Royal Charter on 1537. All right. So who was St. Valentine? Because he was a bunch of potentially different people that kind of got mixed up in history along the way. But the one that we're talking about specifically was a third century Roman saint commemorated in Christianity on February 14th. Uh, He was a bishop or a priest during the Roman Empire who helped persecuted Christians, which obviously got him in some trouble. Uh, He's also the patron saint of epilepsy. Why? I don't really know. But he is. Um, There are three known potential St. Valentines associated with February 14th. One was a Roman priest. One was the Bishop of Inter- Interamna. Uh, and then the third was said to be a saint who suffered on the same day with a number of companions in the Roman province of Africa, but of who nothing else is known. Um, he's not our guy, I don't think. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Catholic Church officially recognizes only one St. Valentine, the one who was martyred on the Via Flaminia, uh, and the Via Flaminia is an ancient Roman road. And so that's the guy that many scholars believe is the actually, actually the one that lends his name to Valentine's Day. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Basically, the one that was martyred is the one... Well, they were both martyred. Because they were both killed Everybody's by... Everybody's getting martyred. Yeah. It's just, it's so, it's, there's so much killing. It's hard to keep track. All right, so here's a here is a write up from Wiki that I thought really kind of broke it down and explained it pretty well as to why the uh, Catholic Church views this particular Saint Valentine's Day and what it all means. So a common hagiography, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Basically, that is a write up on the saints describes Saint Valentine as a priest of Rome or as the former bishop of Terni, an important town of Umbria in central Italy. While under house arrest of Judge Asterius and discussing his faith with him, Valentinius, the Latin version of his name, was discussing the validity of Jesus. The judge put Valentinius to the test and brought to him the judge's adopted blind daughter. Also, hello, another reference of love is blind, leading to to Cupid. Anyway, um... So yes, the judge put Valentinius to the test and brought to him the judge's adopted blind daughter. If Valentinius succeeded in restoring the girl's sight, Asterius uh, would do whatever he asked. Valentinius, praying to God, laid his hands on her eyes and the child's vision was restored. Immediately humbled, the judge asked Valentinius what he should do. Valentinius replied that um, all of the idols around the judge's house should be broken and that the judge should fast for three days and then undergo the Christian uh, sacrament of baptism. The judge obeyed and, as a result of his fasting and his prayer, freed all of the Christian inmates under his authority, the judge, his family, and his 44-member household of adult family members and servants were then baptized. Valentinius was later arrested again 
for continuing to evangelize and then was sent to the prefect of Rome to the emperor Claudius Gothicus, who was also Claudius II. Um, Claudius took a liking to him until Valentinius tried to convince Claudius to embrace Christianity, whereupon Claudius refused and condemned Valentinius to death, commanding that Valentinius either renounce his faith or he would be beaten with clubs and beheaded. Valentinius refused and Claudius's command was executed outside of the Flaminian Gate on February 14th, 269. Man. So that's the martyr that is tied in with Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day, which was actually a Lupercalia. Right. Because the Lupercalia festivities were going on on the day that this dude was murdered. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I do, however, highly recommend that uh, people go and check out the wiki because there's like four other story, like potential reasons behind his martyrdom stories that... Um, are worth taking a look at. I actually thought this one was probably just based on nothing more than my personal uh, feelings. Preference, that this yeah. One was the one that was probably the most realistic and the most likely to be the one that occurs. It sounds like when you read the wiki that that is also the one that most scholars lean to because it has a, the, a lot of... Um, there's just a lot more of the the validity and telling of the tale behind it than some of these other ones yeah. and so that's where they're like okay well if that's many people are talking about it then there's got to be some aspects of this that are true yeah kind of thing For but sure. you know it's impossible to know anyway that is the end of why uh valentine's day is valentine's day as as we know it it definitely has hardcore pagan roots yeah um, and believe it or not a lot of the uh trappings of that pagan festival have made their way despite christianity right into how we celebrate it in 2021. And from what I could see, there weren't any cards that show any of the original traditions of Lupercalia as a Valentine's Day card. So it might be our little might, niche to carve out. Man, you get one of your artists on the on the yeah on the thing, and uh, I'm willing to pay them for some artwork and yeah, get that out there for sure. I mean, we really should. I mean, gosh. Yeah. Well, they always have such good mar like marketing ideas. <laughs> but then they just stay within the episode and they, they never they just they never blossom. So what if for next week, and I don't know if this mm. will last an entire episode, but that Cecil Hotel documentary drops. So maybe we should watch it and talk about it next week. I'm into that. I mean, when does it drop? I think it's tomorrow. Remind me, will you send me, a, will you be a good friend? Because I'm depressed and sick right now. Don't worry, folks, I don't have COVID. I just ate really two gross breakfast burrito sandwiches this morning and it's come back to haunt me. Oh my gosh. Will you just, yeah, they were so good going in. Not so hot coming out. Um, Will you text me and remind me? Because I will completely forget to watch it. Yeah, it looks like it drops tomorrow, which probably means midnight tonight. So um, I'll text you to watch it and then we can talk about it. We can break it down next week. I think that is great. And then before we sign off, I want to talk to people about uh, our experience doing listener stories live. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I actually had a ton of fun with that. All right, we got to wrap it that up. It was a blast. Because I know everybody's on a, uh, on a short timeline here, but we had an absolute blast. I think Bowser and I might be a little bit hooked, actually. Yeah. We definitely wouldn't mind continuing to do this. We're going to ride out the month as the tester month and see how it goes. But um, it's looking good so far. So if you haven't signed up or joined yet and you're interested, 
you want to download the stereo app you want to follow bowser and myself bowser is at untold underscore bowser i am at untold underscore chobot so we'll be going live on the app sundays at noon you just need to make your own profile and basically you can record messages to us i think they're about a minute at a time so if it's a long story you're gonna have to make multiple recordings but once you do that you send it through and then we can actually play those live on air as we are talking yeah and so uh we actually had a lot of fun with it it's a it's a great way to finally give listener stories um a schedule uh the respect that they deserve and some and and the fact that it and it actually really helps to hear the people's voice it really does us trying to make you know put the emphasis on the right syllable exactly when somebody's right it was super cool so if you've got a listener story yeah just save it for a listener story live and read it to us on the air it's yeah. like a radio show yep. yeah we had a great time with it i i i was really apprehensive about it at first but now i'm kind of hooked yeah uh that being said if you don't want to be on air and if you're just like nervous about it or just don't dig it or like doing things traditionally you can still email us your uh listener stories the untold hour pod at gmail.com so that email is still working i will still uh, and bowser and i will still receive your emails and your listener stories yeah. that way. And, you know, it's probably good. Maybe we can do a combination of both where on some days when we're not both around, we'll do, we'll read them. And on days we are around, we'll just keep going with the, uh, the stereo app. Yep. Heck yeah. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Cause I thought it was really cool. It was. Uh, do you want to sign us off? Yeah. This has been Jessica Chobot and Andrew Bowser. And you've been listening to the untold hour. Bye. Bye. Untoldians, that is it for this episode of The Untold Hour. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bazaar. If you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird, send us your listener stories to theuntoldhourpod at gmail.com. Come join The Untold Hour Convo over on my Discord server and our Facebook group. And you can follow us on our socials, Instagram at The Untold Hour and at Untold Hour Pod on Twitter. Star Fans Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.